Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. The Kingston Family Y has gone through a major amalgamation over the last year, enabling it to grow and be in a position to offer more programs and services to a wider area. Let's talk about that with the CEO of the YMCA of Eastern Ontario, Rob Adams. Rob, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Dave. You are the CEO of the Y of Eastern Ontario. That's right. And that may seem like a different name to a lot of people. It's the result of an amalgamation. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But what I thought I would start off with is to get you to talk a little bit about the difference between the why and some of the other gyms that people can go to in town. Well, I I guess you hit it off right off the bat is that uh, we're not just a gym. Um, I know a lot of people look at the Y as a place to go work out and and, and to go swimming, but um, the YMCA is is much more than that. Um, We are the largest childcare provider in Canada, one of the largest childcare providers in the region. Um, We offer camping services, employment services. We're the largest employer of youth. And and the biggest difference for us is that we're a charity and a not-for-profit where a lot of the gyms in town are for-profit. And the other piece is, is that we don't turn anybody away and we have a financial assistance program available for those who can't afford it, which means we offer programs and services for all ages, all abilities, regardless of circumstance. So we're really that one-stop shop that um, allows someone to come access the facility, whether you're a baby or a senior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You are a graduate of Queen's. Well, I took some financial certification courses through the okay. Smith School of Business, yeah. But I, I took my uh, – I went to school at Mohawk College in Hamilton, Ontario, and then I did some coursework at Brock, and then I did some financial management courses through the executive program, uh, the Finance for Financial Managers through uh, the Smith School of Business. Now, I'm sort of curious. I know that when people graduate from university, from time to time, they have a particular goal they have in terms of a career. Now, was this sort of career something you had thought about when you graduated from Mohawk College? No. um, You know, I grew up in Woodstock, Ontario, Western Ontario, um, and I was just an active kid and uh, probably didn't come from a uh, household that was really a positive environment. And so my mom put me in swimming lessons and I participated in camps and I just really found the camp counselors and lifeguards and instructors just fun to be around. I thought maybe that's what I'd want to do or for a summer job. And it just kind of blew up into the profession I wanted to enter. I initially wanted just to be in gym shorts and a t-shirt in a gymnasium working with kids. I never anticipated I'd, I'd end up, um, you know, a CEO. Uh, running the shop. Yeah, yeah, running the shop. But, but I mean, the YMCA is so diverse that you can change hats along the way and you feel like you're, you're starting a new career. So um, I couldn't be happier that I've been given this opportunity by the board, especially now as we're entering a new phase of the Y in Eastern Ontario. 
You have worked for the Y in the National Capital Region and in Brockville, and I think that's where you're based, right, is Brockville? Yeah, so I, I started my Y career in Brockville, and then from there I ended up going to the YMCA, YWCA of the National Capital Region. Um, spent 10 years there and managed various areas from health, fitness, and aquatics to camping to childcare. Um, near the end of my tenure in Ottawa and getting this opportunity in Kingston and Brockville area, um, I was the vice president of health, fitness, aquatics, and children's services. And so um, I split my time up uh, pretty much in half as much as I can just because it gives some consistency to the staff, the members, the donors. So Mondays to Tuesdays, I work in Kingston. Thursday and Friday, I'm in Brockville, and I alternate my Wednesdays. But, um, you know, my job isn't necessarily to be in the building five days a week. So I go where the community needs me, and I go where the stakeholders are. Now, we alluded to that at the top of the show about the amalgamation between the Y of Brockville and area yep. and the Kingston Y. So this happened about a year ago. Right? Yeah, so April 1st. Um, ironically, it wasn't an April Fool's joke, but <laughs> April 1st, we uh, we merged into the YMCA of Eastern Ontario. So I started in October of 2018, and there were two uh, CEOs, colleagues of mine, Diane and Deacon Thomas in Brockville, and Mary Kluseman, who's the CEO in Kingston for about 10 10 or 11 years, um, both friends of mine, they were both deciding to move on in their retirement life. And it was probably a good time initially for the board to think about a shared CEO model. Um, but then they went further into discussing how could we be one organization. So through October till April, um, I was working with uh, two boards to merge into one board and um, two separate ran organizations both operationally and culturally into driving it into into one so april 1st we merged into one and um things are going pretty well aside from having to travel back and forth to maintain a presence in both locations what are the advantages or what were the advantages in deciding to amalgamate well i think um it's a movement across the country that's happening um you know it wasn't um coming from a cost savings perspective or the wise are in trouble or we need to do this to save money. Um, we did it because, and wise are doing it across the country because they're starting to recognize the fact that more is better and, and we can extend our reach because if we double our um, component in terms of people delivering our programs, that allows us to extend to the areas that maybe that are underserved. There are obviously efficiencies that happen. You know, we don't need two um, software systems. We can operate on one software system. We we don't need two human resources information systems. We can have one system. Um, some of the early um, wins of that is that we've been expanding our programs to Gananoquay, um, and we've expanded our programs in the North Granville. The only way we could do that if we were bigger Mm-hmm. Uh, from a, um, a manpower standpoint. The Y has a big history in Canada. Yeah. It's been around a long time. Yeah. Give us just a bit of an overview as to how big the Y is in Canada. Well, there's 43 different associations in Canada. Um, Can Like the first YMCA in North America was actually um, in Canada, in, in Quebec. It was, it was McGill University was the first YMCA um, in Quebec City. And so it's been um, around for, for many, many years. I mean, James Naismith, everybody knows that he's Canadian. He 
invented the game of basketball, but he was actually working for the Y in Springfield, Massachusetts. So there's been a long history of the YMCA in Canada and, um, you know, stretching from, you know, west to east, north, south, we're all across the country. This particular program interviews people who are passionate about what they do. So what is your passion about the Y? How does it manifest itself? Well, I mean, it's the stories. I think it's the stories that connects us to the community. I, I think that, you know, early on in my in my childhood, I'm a, I'm a Y kid. And, and, you know, I was one of those sponsored individuals. You know, my, my family didn't have the money to, to give me access to certain things. And my mom recognized the fact that I needed some different role models. And so, you know, it planted a seed for me and, and you know, it evolved through there. Um, the one thing that I'm passionate about the why is that it's always consistent. It's always consistent in its message and it never changes its mandate. We're a value-based organization. Um, we're in communities that need us. And I think, again, the fact that nobody is turned away really sets us apart from everybody else. And especially nowadays, um, even with, you know, fundraising dollars and businesses leaving, like communities are struggling. But, you know, that makes the need for a program and organizations like the YMCA that much more prevalent in today's society. So it's just the impact and the touches. Just in Kingston alone, um, we'll have over 200,000 visits just in that facility. And that include, and that doesn't include like day pass users, camping, childcare, and stuff like that. So when you think about this region, just specifically in Kingston, you know, that that's a big impact on this community. So it would be hard for this community to even think about what it would be like not to have a YMCA. Mm-hmm. You, know? you have locations at St. Lawrence College. Yeah, we have a, we have a great partnership agreement with the St. Lawrence College. So we, we help manage the athletic center there. We run classes, um, programs. We manage the um, wellness floor as well. It's open access in terms of if you're a Y member, you can access it. And college students get a membership as well and they can access the right crescent building as well but now that we've merged i mean their membership is good in brockville too mm-hmm. so yeah you did have a location on progress avenue but That's you right. don't anymore right yeah so so you know coming in early um we closed the uh, the right crescent sorry the uh, progress avenue location um, we announced that closure in june of this year and we um, ceased operations in august and it wasn't for a fact that we didn't necessarily want to be there it was just that at the time um, competition increased in the area Um, the membership necessarily couldn't support itself and we were we we operated that facility for three years in a deficit and so you know our donors our community our staff our members um we need to be responsible financial stewards. And so, you know, although it was a difficult decision to make, um, we did it for the right reasons. And I'm happy to report that we've been able to retain over 50% of those members that were at, at Progress Avenue mm-hmm. that have transitioned to Wright Crescent. So now our facility at Wright Crescent really feels the way a healthy, vibrant YMCA should feel. How much time does the CEO spend on fundraising? Well, I have a great team. Um, a lot of a lot of my fundraising ability and my fundraising um, work is more around relationship building and bringing awareness to the why. Um, we have a team of three individuals that cover the region when it comes to driving fundraising. Um, we raise 
across the region probably about six hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars a year just to provide access now that sometimes some of that goes into capital some of that is grants mm-hmm. um, actual fundraising dollars um, but we provide probably over a million dollars worth of subsidies at the same time so fundraising for us is key now when I was looking at the website I noticed that there are all kinds of programs that the Y offers and I've just sort of zeroed in on a couple uh, if you wouldn't mind talking a bit about them. One of them was labeled as uh, an interest that you had about combating child inactivity. Can you describe what that is all about? Yeah, well, I mean, early on in my tenure, especially when I was overseeing um, programs in health and aquatics, um, you know, nowadays, um, it's about creating access and 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 the philosophies of what kids can do and how old they need to be able to, how old they need to be in order for them to do it has really shifted and and so part of that inactivity is to create access to areas that otherwise used to be closed to them and and so for an example um, we started um, our access policy has changed so um, if you're tenant over you're allowed to come into the building on your own and sign yourself in and sign out um, you're allowed to go on to the conditioning floor and use the equipment we have programs and services specific to eat well live well where they learn eat good eating habits and learn how to work out and use the equipment i guess philosophy wise i have an 11 year old son declan and you know he helps me carry in the groceries and if a grocery bag weighs 10 or 15 pounds and why can't he lift a weight that's 10 or 15 pounds they weigh the same they just look different Mm -hmm. and so the philosophy of kids need to be a certain age to be able to do certain things um, has really shifted and as a YMCA we had to kind of evolve to kind of do that Um, a lot of things too in terms of space as we opened up some functional fitness areas in our in our areas now where it's a turfed area and it's more you know um, you know lack of a better term it's a it's a grown-up looking jungle gym but it's accessible for everybody. So we want families to come together and, you know, not necessarily have to sign up for the traditional basketball courses and the arts programs, which we offer, which are good quality and, and there, our staff and volunteers do great jobs. But sometimes families just want to come in and be active. And so if there's something going on in the gymnasium that a, a family can't participate in, well, the one thing that's always open is the strength and conditioning area. And so it was about kind of creating an environment where everyone feels welcome and safe and, um, you know, gets active. What kind of stories do you have or what kind of results have you seen with respect to these 10-year-olds that come in on their own and work out at the gym? Can you Do you have anything that jumps yeah, to mind? Yeah, there, there's a couple. And there's a couple programs that stick out in mind. One is the Eat Well, Live Well and the 10-year-olds that are coming in is that it really starts to create a sense of habit for them. And, and you know, oftentimes, um, you know, not to date myself or yourself, but, you know, when I was eight years old in 1978, it was nothing to be able to walk down the street somewhere and go somewhere on my own and feel independent. Well, the the attitudes have changed so much that you don't see that anymore. So now that families know that their 10-year-old and up can, in fact, come to the building on their own, creates a sense of, um, independence and when you're independent you start making 
your own choices. And if you start laying seeds of healthy choices, healthy habits, and they're doing it themselves, then it just continues. So we just, I guess I'd like to say that the success stories is that we probably have anywhere between 100 to 300 kids of that age group that just accesses their building on their own to areas that they never used to be able to access Mm -hmm. or felt they didn't feel welcome enough. To, to access. The other piece is that in Brockville, because I know you have some of your listeners in Brockville, is that we started a, a teen night um, about eight weeks ago. And, you know, locally in that area, they've been combating some, you know, um, youth inactivity, teen inactivity. There, there's been a recent incident that happened a couple of years ago where there's someone, right, there's a court case that's happening in that region. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we did a series of conversations with teens and stakeholders about what what is needed in the area, and they really just came back to three things: we wanted a safe place to go, we wanted somewhere to stay warm and safe, we wanted something to eat, we wanted free Wi-Fi because a lot of teens and youth have phones that don't have data plans. So we looked at our operations and we decided, you know what, I think there's something we can do. And so what we ended up doing was just deciding to close the building early to the general public at seven o'clock in the evening on Fridays and we reopen at seven thirty. But the difference is is that we stay open from seven thirty till midnight now. Okay. And and you know, um Teens show up. We feed them. They have a safe space to come. Um, we offer, uh, you know, some some mental health support if if it's required. I, I don't want to say like we've thrown the rule book out, uh, but you know, sometimes you know, individuals will come under the influence at that age, or they're making some bad choices before they show up. We don't automatically kick them out. We've created safe spaces for people to come, feel safe, because we would rather them feel safe in our building than possibly maybe making a bad choice outside of our building. And the Brothel Police has been a great partner with that as well. So you've adapted the rule book to current circumstance. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And right now what we're currently doing too locally in Kingston is that we're doing the same thing. Um, you know, we're trying to evaluate what are the systemic issues in this area um, and is there a need for a similar program in Kingston that we would be able to offer up our, our site for youth and teens to just come in and hang out um, just for them. Um, you know, th- the one thing that people that I've found myself doing in the last pa- this past year has been doing a bit of education that the programs that we provide don't necessarily have to happen within our four walls. They can happen anywhere. And the other thing is that we don't have to do it ourselves, and we don't have to be the experts in everything. What we need are willing partners. And so if there's community agencies out there that are thinking, you know what, we need this, but we need a space. Well, maybe we have the space. Or maybe it's, you know what, we have the space, but we don't have the expertise. Well, maybe the why can be that. And it's just, it's basically, you know, getting back to the fact that we're, we're more than a gym and we're more than just a pool. We're, we can be a change agent to, to address community issues. And I, I've found that we've been having to do a little bit of education that we're open to that. And we've always been that, but maybe we haven't been promoting that enough or ourselves doing it enough. Like almost every other organization, it all comes down to communication. You're yeah. communicating with partners that are out there that you haven't communicated with before right. or communicated with the public that's themselves. Right. Another program that's been around a while is far as I can recall, and that's Vicky Keith and the Penguins. Yeah. 
Yeah. Describe how that works. Well, first off, I'll give a shout-out to Vicky Keith, who was just recently inducted to the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. That that happened over That's this awesome. past fall, yeah. Um, Vicky is a great ambassador for, for youth and a great ambassador for the Y. So the Y Prankins program was developed by Vicky to, to get kids who may come with some sort of physical limitation and get them active on the same playing field as other swim teams. It's a competitive club. They practice. They go to meets. But the added thing was that it's them and their able-bodied siblings. So oftentimes, Vicky was finding out that, you know, from a from a sibling standpoint, they'd be off in two different directions in terms of sports and activities they were doing. So how could a program be created that would put everybody in the same playing field and they could do something together? So that program's been happening over a few years now. Um, we partnered with Easter Seals this past summer to do a swim for strong kids, swim for kids at um, Ontario Park this past summer, and it's been going really well. But, um, you know, the kids also did a 24-hour swim relay just not too long ago as well. So it's been a successful program. Oh, yeah. the it, It's great. Fantastic program. How many kids go to camp anymore? A lot of kids go to camp because, yeah. again, you know um, – you know, I, I spoke earlier that we're we're one of, if not the largest childcare providers in the region, right? Mm-hmm. And and are the largest childcare provider in Canada. Um, so families still need places for kids to go Monday to Friday when school's out. So we we offer a wide range of camping experiences through specialty camps or um, what we call the Adventure Camp Program. Um, We have it from ages four and up, uh, leadership programs as well. But again, the thing that sets us apart is that if there's an inability to pay, Mm -hmm. we provide those means. So financial circumstances should never be be a barrier and the other thing too is that we add we've added inclusion campers so if there are those campers who who do have you know some intellectual deficits or physical limitations who require one-on-one support we have those supports available to them now sometimes there is an added cost to that but again that added cost could also be sponsored as well now what does rob adams do when he's not working besides (laughs) going to concerts with his son yeah well i i'm i'm a Interesting question. The, this past first year has gone by pretty quick for me, to be honest. It's been a great year. But typically, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty homebody, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a beautiful wife and, and an 11-year-old son and a 23-year-old son that lives out west. Um, I'm an avid runner. I ran the Boston Marathon a couple of times in New York once. And, um, you know, a lot of it is reading. I love reading about people. So I do a lot of biography mm-hmm. reading and, and, and on leadership, not your CEO book leadership, but just, you know, even past leaders and even maybe leaders I wouldn't think about reading about well i'm reading the biography of the actor who plays c3po <laughs> <laughs> um i'm also reading um speeches by obama um i'm reading a really good book on uh, indigenous Re- reconciliation right now just for my own education mm-hmm. um as well because um you know i think there's an opportunity for for ry to maybe do more with that um i just don't know where to begin so i'm just learning more about it have you read the biography that Keith Richards wrote? I have, yeah. And I've read the Bruce Springsteen biography as well. I think the Keith Richards book was a good read. Yeah. At least I enjoyed the read yeah, anyway. it was, it was. Now, in terms of contributing back to the community, do you 
have time to do any of that? I used to sit on the uh, Leeds and Grenville Family Children's Services Board. I was vice chair there. I had to step back a bit once I got this uh, gig just because uh, it's a new gig and, you know, you never know what you get when you – by the by, by the onion i coached little league and basketball and those sorts of things so um you know i try to do as much as i can but admittedly some of that has taken a back seat to mm-hmm. to to the merger and and to getting immersed in the communities around that i'm serving and going back and forth yeah, Kingston yeah. To Bronco. but you know i i was living in Bronco when i was working in ottawa and i commuted to ottawa for the last 10 years before joining um the one say here and you know my commute like i mean we offer programs again Aquay, so i mean i'm going there anyway so how many kilometers do you put on your car in a year Oh, don't ask me that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't ask me that. Yeah, I don't know. I just bought a new car, so I don't. I don't. I, I'm kind of nervous to start looking at it already. Yeah, we have run out of time on the program. Okay, and I thank you very much for coming in and talking to us about the why and all the programs it offers, and I wish you every success as you move forward. No, I appreciate it, Dave, and uh, this is great. I really love the tour of the place. It's like a, a museum in here. It's so awesome, and I took a photo of uh, you know, the, the record wall and the vault and stuff that I'll send off to my 23-year-old. He'll find it pretty neat, but uh, happy to come back anytime, and uh, thanks for allowing me to talk about the why, because again, like, you know, this community needs an organization like the YMCA, and we're always looking to partner and look for new opportunities. All right. All right. Take care. Awesome. Thanks. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Jim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.